Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Luke. The Gospel Record of Luke in chapter number 7. The Gospel Record of Luke in chapter number 7. We are continuing with our series of the miracles of Christ. And we're thankful that God has chosen to record several of the miracles done within the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that Jesus had done so many miracles that the the uh, <laughs> Apostle John said that if they were all recorded in a book, there wouldn't be enough books to contain all of it. And so God had chosen to limit and record only 35 major miracles done by the Lord Jesus Christ in His earthly ministry. And that each one of these 35 are chosen for a purpose to illustrate, to teach us something more about God and how He works. As we come now to the gospel record of Luke in chapter number 7, we see once again another miracle that is recorded for us. Notice if you don't mind and look with me in the gospel record of Luke chapter 7. And notice with me starting at verse number 11. The gospel record of Luke chapter 7 verse 11. The Bible says this, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. And now when he came nigh to the city, or gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city were with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the briar, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Arise, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he, was, he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a great fear on all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet is risen up among us, that God hath visited his people. And the rumor of him went forth throughout Judea, and throughout all the region round about. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the Gospel record of Luke chapter 7? The Gospel record of Luke chapter 7, and notice with me in verse 16, the very end phrase, God had visited his people. God had visited his people. And with this account here, as we study the miracle, this amazing miracle that was done in this city, we could see this phrase that God had visited his people. Now, this is a greater story, an amazing thing, uh, an impossible story. Now, at some point in our life, in our faith, we'll draw a line and imagine that what God will do and needs to be done all the way up to that line. And that we have to realize that God is bigger than that line. And God can go above that line and do things that we can't imagine. God can do so much. Now, as God had done this miracle, it's important to notice how the people responded. They gave glory to God 
They were able to recognize that God was at work, but they failed to give God the glory he deserved because they failed to recognize Jesus as God. What did they call Jesus instead? Notice if you don't mind in verse 16. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among us. So Jesus did this great miracle, and they're saying, look at what God did. God's great, and God deserves the credit. But they did not glorify him the way that they ought because they did not recognize Jesus. Jesus is God, and you can't separate the fact. Uh, my wife and uh, Mrs. Griesbach, a pastor um, in, in a town south of us, were knocking doors on Friday. And as they were knocking on doors, they ran into a Muslim man who was shoveling snow. And as they began to try to witness to him and talk to him about Jesus, he says, I know Jesus. He is a great prophet. And they were trying to say, no, he's more than a prophet. This is, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God. No, 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 no. He's only a prophet. You understand that you may try to recognize that God is good, but if you do not recognize that Jesus is not just a prophet, he is the very son of God. You're missing everything. You don't recognize God as he truly is. So these people, praise the Lord, that they at least gave credit to God, but they failed to recognize who Jesus was. And this is a, an amazing miracle, by the way. If you don't mind, let's look at this. And let's understand this principle here that when many of us witness the hand of God at work, oftentimes we say things that are similar in expression, but then we fail to recognize that it's Christ that gives the glory alone. As we go into here, we're going to study Christ, but I want you to take a pause in your mind. How many times do we use the word God instead of using Christ? Praise the Lord! That's good, but we have to recognize Jesus did this. Jesus is God. Jesus is working in this. The, the Bible talks about that the name of Jesus divides. You understand if you go up there and say, glory to God, the, uh, even the uh, Muslims can say, all right, great. But which God are we worshiping? It's Jesus Christ. That is the dividing factor here. It is Christ who is the God. He's not just a prophet. He's just not a good man. He's not just a good teacher. He is God robed in flesh. Work with me if you don't mind and let's see this powerful God here. And the first thing I'd like to show you here is that Christ cares. That Christ cares. Now Jesus and his disciples came into the city called Nainan. And they and it came to pass that day after that he went into a city called Nainan. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. And when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was carried out. So here's the story. That Jesus and his disciples were coming into the city. And as they were approaching the gate, they almost had to step aside because a funeral procession is coming. In this funeral procession, imagine in your mind that they are carrying, the pallbearers are carrying the casket. So they're carrying this man from the city, and they're carrying him outside of the city to where the graveyard is. And so you got the pallbearers, you have the mother, you have the crowd that is with her trying to comfort. Notice again as we see the picture in verse 12. And he came, when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city were with her. So here's a lady that's in much distress. A mother who's lost her only child. And so 
it says she's a widow. So she's already lost her husband. Now she's lost her child. She's all alone. She's broken hearted. And the city's trying to support her. But they're carrying out her dead son. So here's the funeral procession. Here's the casket. Behind her is the mother. You can imagine her all in black, a black veil. The rest of the city behind her, trying to encourage her, trying to let her know we're with you. And Jesus sees her. Verse number three, 13. And when the Lord saw her, Jesus' attention went to the one that was hurting the most. He put his attention on her. There was lots of people there. There was the pallbearers. There was the crowd. But his eye and attention went to her, the one that was hurting the most. Why? Because Jesus cares. Notice verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. Weep not. So here's this story. The central figure in this crowd of mourners was the dead person. Everyone has the attention on the dead person. But Jesus' attention was on the mother. He cares. He understands the grief that people go through. He understands the secrets of your heart. He understands what's going on. And his eyes and heart goes to her. His compassion turns to her. As these two groups, Jesus and his disciples and all the followers run into this funeral procession. They run in together. And not only do we see that Jesus cares, and praise the Lord that Jesus cares. Praise the Lord that Jesus sees your heart. But we also see that Jesus commands. Notice this. In verse, 13, uh, verse 14. And he, that's Jesus, came and touched the briar. And they that bear him stood still. So here's the crowd following Jesus. Here's the crowd following the funeral procession. And Jesus comes up and stands pretty much in, fo- in front of the pallbearers and touches the uh, casket where they're at. And so they can't move. He's in the way and they stop. And then he says, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. Who was Jesus speaking to? He was speaking to a dead man. To what we would call a dead man. You know there's three occasions where Jesus spoke to a dead person. Now this is encouraging news. Because when Jesus is speaking to the dead man. What we would call the dead man. We understand that there was a soul somewhere that heard him. That when we die, it's just not the absence of life. It's just a a transporting to a different location. That you will live somewhere forever. There is no cessation of life. There may be a time where your body gives out, but your soul will live somewhere forever. And Jesus spoke to that soul, to that person who was still alive. Young man, arise. Now, Again, what would you be? We know the power of Jesus, but could you imagine being in this funeral procession and this strange guy dressed in teacher's garb comes up and touches the casket and everything kind of stops. Then he says, young man, get up. What would you be thinking if some guy's touching the casket and telling him to get up? I mean, I I preach some messages at funerals. I don't think I could dare preach this one at a funeral. Can you imagine? This is a funeral message. Get up. Young man, arise, get up. And so he touches this casket here. And guess what happens? And he that was dead sat up 
and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. Imagine this. The pallbearers are carrying him out. And the guy sits up. And Jesus helps him down and says, there's your mother. Wow, what a story. What an amazing thing here. That Jesus was able to speak to the dead and the dead arose again. He was able to deliver him back to his mother. We live in a world that is so fearful of death. They're afraid to die. There are some people who are afraid to lay their pillow, a head on their pillow at night because they're afraid of what would happen if they don't wake up. We live in a world that is, that is a fear of death, of what's going to happen to it. I'm so thankful that we have a God who has defeated death, hell, and the grave. That God has defeated it. That death no longer holds any bond to us. Meaning that we may go through death, but we're not going to stay dead. Isn't that a great, wonderful thing? We're going to live somewhere forever and we can have our sins forgiven and we can live with Christ eternally and live with Him. What a wonderful privilege we have. That we can know for sure, without a doubt, what would happen to us when we die. We don't have to guess or wonder. Someone says no one can know. It's not like someone from the dead has come back and told us what it's like. You know, you hear stories of the white light. You hear stories of this and that, a calm piece. I saw a mom. But you know, we can't base anything off experience. We can base things off the word of God. What does the word of God says? The Bible says that we can have everlasting life. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How long is that? Is it a week? Is that a year? It's forever. God promised us everlasting life. What a wonderful God. He promised it and God can't break his word. I can have the assurance of this. 1 John 1 9. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Oh, I'm thankful for that word no. That word no means to have evidence of, to have confidence of. I'm not believing in a blind faith. I'm believing in a faith that has evidence. That God has evidence. We have recorded here that Jesus is able to raise those from the dead. That we have the promise. And then we have the, the further guarantee that Jesus Christ himself arose from the grave. To be the first, fruit, uh, the first fruits of all those who would be raised after. I know that I can live eternally because Jesus lives today. I have that hope. I have that confident expectation of something sure to come. I no longer have to fear death. Again, as I said before, this is one of three incidences where Jesus spoke to someone whose body was dead. Who was he speaking to? Is he speaking to someone who doesn't exist anymore? He's speaking to someone whose spirit is alive somewhere. And he called them forth. The evidence, the proof that we still live after our body gives out. What a great encouragement that is. Which now brings us to the third thing. Not only does Jesus Christ care. Not only does Christ command. But we also know that Christ conquers. Notice with me if you don't mind. As it goes on. It says. And this rumor went out. <laughs> sorry. 
uh, verse 16. And there came a fear upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited this people. Now, as Christ cares and Christ commands, we know that he has conquered all. When he spoke to them, the dead responded. Aren't you glad that our God has has victory over even death, that even those that are dead still obey his voice. What a great encouragement. The Bible speaks about there's an event in our life called the rapture where we're going to be called away. And it says that we have a great hope that there are some of us who will not see death. I hope to be one of those. Most of us, if we had the choice, we'd avoid, rather avoid going through the process of dying. It's not very comfortable as so I hear. But if there are some of us who won't see death, that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to call some of us away. But if there are some that do die, the Bible says there's hope for them that they are going to come again. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter, um, chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I have a preacher friend of mine who um, just recently had a family that was... Uh, a family member that was lost and of course trying to go through the funeral and hearing different people and how they spoke and then the most important thing is that the people didn't have anything set up as a will. They didn't have anything set up as a, what to do, uh, how things are going to be distributed. None of that was there. And so the preacher after the funeral says, you know what, I'm going to put my things in order. I know I'm still young and I have health, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get a hold of the funeral home. I'm going to get all the paperwork. I'm going to get it all taken care of. So that way the burden of all of this doesn't fall upon my family. And, and praise the Lord. Uh, so, but with it, he was asking a question. He says, <laughs> When a Christian dies, should we be buried? Should we be cremated? I mean, how's that going to work? And by the way, that's a legitimate question. And what we came up with is that this is a personal thing. There's nothing in the Bible that says you shouldn't be cremated. We know that there's some people that say, well, that's what the heathen do is they burn the bodies of the other ones. That's fine. There are some people that say, uh, say well, if you get a casket or something, then people could come and visit you. Let me remind you that you're not there. You're somewhere else forever. That's, that's a body. I point out the idea that if you're dead long enough, there's not going to be any of you left. And by the way, anything that is left of this old body, I don't want it back. I'm getting a brand new body. I tell you, I've got health problems. I don't want this old broken back. I want God to start all over. I don't want him to reuse any, uh, reuse any used pieces off of me. I mean, get a brand new thing. And so different people draw the order. But we were talking about this and bringing up this passage. Notice what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I love this passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And it says this. And verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. Now, the Apostle Paul spoke quite a bit about Jesus Christ coming back. And as he would come back, he would say, Jesus Christ is coming back and some of us won't see any death. Well, someone wrote a letter to the Apostle Paul with a legitimate question. Well, you talk about Jesus Christ is coming back. What happens if we die? What happens if a loved one dies before Jesus comes back? And that's a good question. 
And so the Apostle Paul takes pen and paper under the inspiration of Scripture. And he writes this, verse 13 again. But I would not have you to be ignorant. Meaning, I don't want you to be unknowing. I want you to have the knowledge, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. The word asleep here is a nice, kind Bible way of saying that they have passed on. So I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have died, who have passed on, those that are asleep. That you sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. He says, I want you to know what's going on so that way you don't have to sorrow. You understand there is a difference between a believer's funeral and a funeral of people who do not know the Lord. For those who don't know the Lord, that is a heartbreaking funeral with no hope. And it carries the idea there, I'll never see my loved one ever again. And so because of that, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of a weeping and gnashing of teeth. And rightfully so. It is very hard to comfort someone. with That do not have the promise. The hope of seeing their loved one again. It's horrible. However if I know Jesus as my savior. And they know Jesus as my savior. The funeral is something different. The funeral is a memorial. We're remembering them. And how much we're going to miss them. But we're going to see them again. There's a hope there that it's not goodbye forever. It's see you in a little while. Well, that makes all the difference in the world. That we as Christians, there is something different even in the way that we honor and celebrate and do a funeral. We can have hope even in the midst of that. Sure, we'll miss them. There are times that we'll miss them. I have church members that I still remember fondly and I miss uh, that have passed on before. That, oh, I miss them. I think about them. But you know what? If they had the choice and said, hey, do you want to come back? They said, no way. I'm better off up here. I'll wait till you catch up to me. I don't want to come back. Amen. Uh, they, they, they said, I'm, I'm good. So we don't have to sorrow not. They're happier. They're not kept in a cage and saying, I want to come back. This, no, I'll wait for you to come up to me. I'm good. Verse number 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Oh, we have the promise right there that we'll see them again. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. That word prevent, we can't do anything to stop them. Uh, You could go ahead and have someone who's dead and put them in a great vault and put them there and that's not going to keep them from rising from the grave. There's nothing you could do. They could be disintegrated for thousands of years and they're still coming back if they've accepted Christ as their Savior. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then us which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. I've heard some people who just take this context alone and they said, all right, what we'll do is that we'll wait outside the grave and as soon as they start coming up, we'll just see them. But the Bible talks about in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that it's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. You say, how fast is that? Scientists have measured a twinkling of an eye of one one thousandth of a second. So that's not going to be much time to stop, to capture them, to whatever else, especially since the dead in Christ rise first, and us that alive and remain shall meet them together in the air. I mean, they may get a head start, but it's one one hundredth of a second. We're all gone. 
This is exciting stuff. This is hopeful stuff to us. This is why the Bible ends up this passage in verse 15. Wherefore, so because of this, comfort one another with these words. Oh, what a great comfort that if they've accepted Christ and I've accepted Christ, I have the promise of seeing my loved ones again. There's something different about this. There's something hopeful about this. Why can we have hope in this? Because we have a Christ that has conquered. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. The book of 1 Corinthians explains this more. That says, oh, oh death, where is thy sting? Oh grave, where is thy victory? Oh, I'm so glad that death will not defeat us. I'm so glad that the grave will not keep us. Because Christ has conquered all of those things. So when we see this miracle here, we could see that Christ cares. And I'm glad that Christ can comfort those that are brokenhearted. And we could see that Christ commands that Christ could do all kinds of things. He could do more than we can imagine. We're just supposed to open up our mouth wide and let him fill it. But we also have a Christ that conquers. We can enjoy the victory in Christ because he is already defeated. He has already won over death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, we could be a hopeful people. If they know Christ and we know Christ, we are hopeful people. That when you die, you are alive somewhere forever. That you just don't cease. There is life after this. And you can know for sure where you're going. And by the way, if for some reason you don't know for sure, let me tell you the greatest privilege that could happen is for us to take the Bible and to show you from the Bible how you can know without a doubt that you could have your sins forgiven and be with him forever. That would be the greatest decision you can make today. For the rest of us, let us take comfort and hope in the great God who has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.